Blog Talk Radio. Let's get lost in a better place. Pick up a book, travel through time and space. So much to learn, so much to see. A chance to escape reality. Open your mind and your heart. With a fresh new song MJ Network will bring you there So let's talk about it When life and on the air Good morning everyone, this is Fran Lewis And this is MJ Network MJ in memory of my sister Marsha Joyce And this is going to be a blockbuster show it's cold here, but I know where this book takes place. It's so much warmer. I wish I was there. So we have the author of Paradise Cold, Davin Goodwin here. Good morning, and I hope it's warm where you are because we're freezing up here. <laughs> uh, it can always be warmer. Oh, that's not fair. Always well, be warmer. No, it's, it's be... like, that's great. It's 45 degrees and they're threatening, well, tomorrow it's rain or something or other. I just ignore it. So, we've got one of my favorite characters. He's really tough, Roscoe. So, tell us about, give us a summary of the plot, and then tell us about how you created him, because I really like him. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't, you know, take any, picks no prisoners. Well, so, so the plot was um, uh, derived over time, and basically, Roscoe is, runs across um, uh, a human body part washed up on the shore of the island of Bonaire, and he happens to be able to identify that body part. And so that, uh, since he knows who it was, it kind of thrusts him into this investigation of what happened to this person, uh, how did they die, and who's, who's responsible for it. Pretty much a, a standard whodunit, but it takes a couple of different paths and a couple of weird characters that uh, are in, involved in Roscoe's life end up uh, being involved, and it, it it really is just kind of a fun story, I think, and a couple of twists and turns, and all of a sudden he is able to solve the crime, which is not um, surprising, I guess. That's his job. Um, well, I, I, I like this character. Up, well, the character is it's based a lot on my on my late father, uh, kind of his some of his attitudes, some of his his uh, his sayings, and the way he approached things. It also incorporates. A, a few people, fictional characters, things like uh, Jim Rockford from the Rockford Files was always one of one of my favorite TV series. It also, uh, I, I like to think there's a little bit of the Spencer character in there, and um, probably some uh, Magnum PI. Uh, that, that's another series I used to watch all the time. So I've kind of grouped all these people together and tried to come up with this, this character. Yeah, well, I like this guy. So why does he get involved in all these cases? How come he automatically, it's not even that he, they automatically want him to get involved in the cases. Well, he was a, he was a detective for, for many, many years, and he retired to, to own and operate this little mom-pa-type hotel on the island of Bonaire, which, which is a heaven for scuba divers, and Conklin's a, Roscoe's a scuba diver, so it was kind of a natural fit for him. And the reason he gets involved in these things is typically it's, 
it's something personal in his that drives him from the standpoint of it's not just anybody that he gets involved with on these cases. Um, like in, in, in Paradise Cove, he happens to know he, he has a relationship with the person who met their demise. So that kind of drives him forward because there was, was a personal relationship that that Roscoe had with this person. So he mm. he's driven to to try and figure out what happened. Um, it's not that he doesn't trust the police force. It's not that he wants to be involved in these things. It's mm. just when it happens to somebody that he has already a relationship with or a personal interest in, then all of a sudden he he feels compelled to to, to thrust forward to the own with these things. So this was really weird. I mean, he just, what happens when a leg washes ashore, and how does he know who it belongs to? Which means he's going to want to find out what happened. That's sad. Yeah, well, yeah. There's there's some characteristics about the about the the limb that that he's able to identify and and knows who it is, and 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 it, it's hard. I hate to, to, to divulge too much. I don't want to make a no. You don't want to tell. Here. At it, but it, it it happens real quick, real early in the book, anyway. So um, he, he's able to determine who it is, and that that kind of again puts that personal note into it. And so now he is compelled to to move forward with it. You know, he doesn't work for the police station, so he's he's not he he tries not to get involved with active cases. He doesn't want to um, impede their progress or step on their toes. And he really he's retired. He really doesn't want to 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 be doing investigative work, but when it happens to somebody who's close to him, he has to, you know, he has it it ingrained in him to to move forward with it. So there were two divers involved in the training accident. So why did they blame Rulio for what happened? Yeah, so um, Rulio Rulio was the... um, um, He was the instructor during that time frame. And he was instructing these other two divers. And when something went wrong, um, the the blame was shifted to Tarula because he was he was ultimately responsible. He was the instructor. He was the one in charge. He was he was driving the training uh, uh, segment, uh, the training session. And he, uh, you know, in the book, I don't really I, I, I allude to it, but I don't, I don't really say whether it was his fault or not. But he was he was blamed for it. And it, it mm. cost him a lot as far as his career and stuff, and and that's part of that's part of the investigation that that Conklin um, comes up with. So what happens when he meets Sandra? Um, tell us about his history. When he meets who? Sandra. Oh, Sandra. Um. So when Conklin meets Sandra, you mean? Yeah. Okay, so um, Sandra is uh, Rulio's fiance, basically, and so he has to he 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 in, goes to talk to Sandra to you know continue his investigation about Rulio, and apparently that uh, that in, that meeting uh, was uh, let's just say didn't go so well for Sandra later on in the book. Yeah, uh, we we don't know exactly what happened. But um, some of the some of the bad guys didn't take too kindly to her talking to Conklin. But he and had to talk is, to her because mm. 
I was going to say he had to go talk to her because that was part of the investigation, and he didn't know what he was going to find by talking to her. And at first mm-hmm. he didn't think he found much of anything, but then later on it's revealed, oh, maybe he did find something. So tell us about Arabella and how come the Dutch language? Well, so Bonaire is a, is a Dutch island. It's actually owned by the Dutch, and, and it's very similar to you know the U.S. Virgin Islands and Puerto Rico mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But the, to the United States, the way those are to the United States, that's the way Bonaire is um, to the to the Dutch and to the Netherlands. And so, because it's a, it's a Dutch island, there's there's a lot of uh, Dutch people and folks from the Netherlands who live on Bonaire, who work on Bonaire, who uh, vacation on Bonaire. So there's a lot of there's a lot of Dutch uh, language spoke on Bonaire. There's also a lot of Papiamento, which is the the native language <clears throat> for Bonaire. And so Conklin, he's, he's around all these languages. He's never, he's never learned how to speak those languages very well. Um, almost everybody on the island speaks English, so, you know, he just assumes, oh, I'll just speak English so everybody understands me anyway. But every now and then there's some Dutch in there. He knows he needs to learn some Dutch. Arabella, who is a, a Dutch native who lives on the island, who's his significant other, she uh, has tried to teach him Dutch multiple times. He just doesn't – he doesn't – He's not a good student at his age, let's put it that way, and he just doesn't he doesn't learn it very well. But he knows enough to to kind of mm. understand a few things, and he can use Google to find certain words and translations, and and sometimes it helps, and sometimes it just gets him in more trouble. And every time it gets him in more trouble, he thinks, man, pay more attention okay, to the Dutch lessons language. So tell us why Roscoe becomes involved with the owners of Paradise Cove, and why are they so friendly? Well, they're restaurateurs. They they uh, yeah. they're trying to to operate this business and and start a new uh, restaurant on the island. Um, he gets involved because uh, there was just a couple of coincidences during his investigation that involved the owners of Paradise Cove, and so he started uh, going down there and talking and pushing a little bit and pushing a little bit more and a little bit more until eventually something pops and. and Knows that they're they're involved in this whole investigation and this whole uh, shenanigans that are going on right now on the island. So uh, they're they're they they come across as a very happy, wonderful, um, fun couple, and and to a great extent they are um, until uh, until they get pushed too far. Now we get into the nitty gritty here. So this Chuck, who's not too smart, not too bright at all, this guy. So we have your, his relationship with Chuck. It's, this guy really needs a helpful here. And when ha, what happens when he introduces him to Tessa as his girlfriend? And what about Schlepper? Now, poor Chuck. Yeah. So I, 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 I um, I'm, I'm kind of laughing here a little bit that uh, you say <laughs> Chuck's not very smart. Um, I, I, I guess I never really meant to put him across that way, but I can see how. See how that would be, um, how that could be taken that way. Uh, yeah. Oh, by the way, Chuck, Chuck, the Chuck Studer character is based on a real person. Oh, by the way. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh God. I, <laughs> Don't worry. Oh my God. He, he, he takes it all in stride. No, he he takes it all in stride. His wife, um, his wife really loves reading the books because she loves uh, she loves reading about the the character in the book. She 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 gets a big <laughs> kick out of it. Um, but anyway, so yeah, so Chuck uh, Chuck's a little bit of on the island. He's a little bit of a philanderer. He uh, uh, 
he likes the women, so to speak. And um, he comes across and starts uh, dating and having a relationship with a, a lady named Tessa, but he doesn't mm. realize who Tessa is. And when he finds out who Tessa is, he doesn't really, uh, he's not really bothered by it. But uh, Tessa happens to be a, a person of interest in, um, in the, on the island, and Chuck probably should not be having a relationship with her. And, it, it, again, the relationship turns up kind of bad, and that's how Conklin, again, he gets thrust even further into this investigation, how it all ties together to the, mm. um, to the leg that washes ashore. Chuck's a fun so character. I, I, really enjoy, I really enjoy writing that character, the Chuck character, because, I, you know, every, every island has uh, the person who hangs at the bar and drinks and, and doesn't really uh, care about anything except the, the, the next drink and, and, and the next date. So that's that's the tough character. I, I really enjoy writing. It's a lot of fun writing. I always wanted to be a character in a book, but I want to be evil because I'm so nice. Well, we we worked that out. <laughs> Remember, though, my evil characters usually die. So <laughs> yeah, I, I I was a character in only some in Karen Vaughn's book a long time ago. She called me Francesco Luisiana, and I was a publisher that stole somebody's book. Somebody's finger oh. published it as my own. And I was, like, so cool because I got away with it at the end, sort of. Oh. So I said, do you need to bring me back to make me more evil? Yeah, I always wanted to be somebody that wrote something really great that nobody else knows that they wrote. <laughs> so what wow. happens when Tessa is found dead and they arrest poor Chuck? The poor guy never had a break here. Well, I mean, it, it, the reader knows that, that Chuck didn't do yeah. it. And so... It's a matter of how do how do they prove that, and and again, who really did do it, and that's that thrust Conklin. Now he's now he's you know got another problem to investigate, and and it's somebody who's very personal. Chuck's his best friend on the island, and now you know Chuck is accused of, of murdering Tessa, so he has to to figure out how to get Chuck off of this, and and actually proceed with 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 the investigation of the leg and everything. So he's 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 starting to get his hands full at this point. So what, who is David Brown, and why is he a good resource? Well, David Brown is um, the person that Conklin had befriended, um, you know, off off camera, basically, from from his time when he spent uh, some time at the hospital. After, after the first book was written, Conklin spent some time at the hospital. Bella was recuperating. And he, he befriended this David Brown, who happened to be a technician at the hospital, and the reason he befriended David Brown was David and David Brown used to be a forensics technician for the um, Holland mm-hmm. Police Department, and so you know them both having uh, law enforcement backgrounds, they just kind of hit it off and talked. And so he, you know, he befriended David, and David said, "Hey, anytime you you need anything, let me know." So Conklin takes him up on it and says, "Hey, can you do a, can you help me out with something here on this this some forensics? I got some questions." So David Brown is is happy to. To help out, and then again, you know, uh, somehow that doesn't work out so good for David. So, but uh, he comes through it okay. So, why do they think that Chuck killed her and described the weapon? Oh, poor Chuck. Well, again, I want to be careful about about divulging. No, too much, yeah, no. They, they 
there was there, there was some incriminating evidence that Chuck had that uh, led to the to the belief that he may have killed Tessa, and the mm. you know it, there was no other evidence, there was no other suspects, and so they were kind of driving pretty hard with Chuck. But you know, again, there wasn't enough evidence to to really convict him or keep him in jail. So there was there were going to be though they were they were pushing hard and that's why Conklin had to get involved to, to try and help and, and pull his buddy out of a jam here one thing I do is you know I, I mentioned earlier the Rockford Files and I don't know if you've ever watched that that series very much but on the series the Jim Rockford character the main character of the show he had a stepbrother named Angel and this 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 person Angel was always kind of a devious character and he always would He's always getting. He always has kind of some kind of scheme going, or some kind of some kind of little mm. play going on somewhere that that was not quite legal, but not quite illegal. But he was always getting in a jam, and Jim Rockford always had to pull Angel out of these jams. He, mm-hmm. you know, he always had to guys rescue, and that's that's kind of the way I see the the Roscoe Conklin and the Chuck Studer relationship. I kind of patterned after that, where where Chuck has always got some kind of scheme. He's always trying to make money, or or you know, something like that, or has this little scheme going, or and, and he's always getting in trouble. He's always getting himself in a, in a mess, in a jam of some kind, and and Roscoe has to come bail him out and get him out of that jam. And so that's kind of that's kind of the way I see that relationship. So you can you can always figure something's going on behind the scenes with Chuck, and, and Roscoe's going to have to come to the rescue somehow. Yeah, my my husband watches those. Me, I watch on Oxygen. And I'm get, I figure it'll help me one of these days why to write something. They're true crime stories, and they really happen. So Undiscovered oh, yeah. Secrets, Dateline, Vanished is my favorite, and the other one, Cold Case, um, is 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 for now is fantastic. And they started a new one yesterday for the first time. Uh, his final minutes, final minutes, final moments, and that that, that was out. really scary. Oh my God, I love those programs. It's better than the other stuff that's on television, at least to get to see how you, how the police attempt to solve the murder. And a lot of times in yeah, Danish, they don't. Yeah, because don't. it's nothing like you see. Those. So why did what are the Anders? Who's Lucas, and why do the Andersons defend him? So Lucas is a good friend of um, of. Uh, John Anderson, one of the owners yeah. of the Paradise Cove, and he's been a good friend of of John's for years and years and years. And he, uh, again, he's he's one of these that are is very devoted to a friendship, and he'll do, you know, he do he'll do anything for John, and does do anything for John. And so John keeps him around. He defends him, makes sure that he's taken care of, and and uses him. Uh, to do, you know, some, some dirty work. And that way he doesn't have to do it. You know, John doesn't have to do it himself. And Lucas is very, very dedicated to, to John. Um, and Danielle doesn't really care much for Lucas in a way. She just kind of tolerates him, but he's, he's around and, and, and helps him out a lot. He's very, you know, I tried to make him kind of mysterious and kind of like, uh, you don't really know a lot about him. But you know enough about him to where you know you don't you may not trust him a whole lot. So why did who did who does the leg belong to? Did they ever find out? They find out who the leg belongs to. Yeah, it belongs to well, you know you find out pretty quick early in about the first or second chapter who the leg belongs to. The question is, yeah, 
How did, how did the leg get in me? What what happened? It belongs to Ruyo, and uh, but but you don't yeah. you don't really know near the end of the book what happened to Ruyo and and, and 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 how that happened. You really you really don't know a hundred percent, but but there's enough evidence pointing that direction to to figure out what happened. I'm going to cross out this one because it says a little too much. So tell us about okay. Bonaire and why does Roscoe get blindsided by a phone call? Poor guy gets hit, killed, gets beaten up a lot too. Well, Bonaire is is a small island in the Southern Caribbean. Uh, it's down by Aruba mm-hmm. and Curacao, and it's it's a it's you know part of the ABC Islands. If, if, you, if you've been to Aruba, you know anything about Aruba. It's, it's, Bonaire is a very very laid back, smaller version of Aruba. Not a lot of uh, spring breakers. There's not a lot of honeymooners. And no casinos on the island. Anything like well, there's one casino, but um, it's not a big big vacation spot for unless you're a scuba diver and that's what I like about it is the fact that it's a pretty quiet island there's not a lot of problems and if you're not a scuba diver there's almost no reason to go to Bonaire and so uh, we've I've, I've been going to Bonaire for many many years made mm. many many trips that done a lot of diving met a lot of people uh, studied mm. the culture stuff like that so when I wrote when I decided to write the book I said, uh, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna write it about something on Bonaire, and and so it's it's a little bit of a different different area, different culture, different 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 type of detective book as opposed to just writing a detective book about a detective in L.A., New York, Chicago, something like that. Yeah, they're all so the same. Is, well, they they can be, and and it's it's you know I I just wanted to do something in a in a you know a different different location with a different situation with with the idea that. Hey, it's all palm trees, sandy beaches, and, and warm waters, but there's still a little bit of uh, badness that happens. Now, the real island of Bonaire is not like the way, it, you know, they don't have six and seven murders per week on the island of Bonaire. That, that's all fictional for my book. The island's actually pretty safe and, and very, very, very safe to wander around, go do things. There's, no, there's very little crime, a little petty crime here and there, but they're not having the murders that I depict in the book. That's all fictional just so, so I can write them. You have to put pictures in the next one. <laughs> I could picture it. I said, like, I want to be there. <laughs> I, I live up just in upstate Westchester, so, you, you know, I, the trees haven't gotten the leaves yet, but I love trees. So I'm looking at the trees and pretending that I'm someplace else because I can't wait for yep. the leaves to come back on the tree. I love trees. They're so pretty. They just sort of well, make you in- feel better. Well, we live in Wisconsin, so we got the same situation. There's no leaves on the trees right yeah. now either. As a matter of fact, it snowed this past Saturday. So I'm I'm looking forward to another Caribbean vacation myself. Well, that's nice. I'm looking forward to going across the street anywhere, <laughs> any place. <laughs> so tell us why the wire wrapped around the ankle was important. Oh, so... Um, well, number one, it showed that the leg mm. there was there was foul play. If, if 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 this person had fallen into the ocean and got hit by a boat or torn up by sharks or something, there probably wouldn't be wire around the ankle. The fact that there's wire around the ankle leads the Conklin and the police to determine that there was some foul play of some kind involved, and it wasn't. It, this was not an accident. This was this this needed to be investigated as a a homicide type thing. 
So I think that was that's kind of the the, the driving point that says, hey, this is not this is not an accident. This isn't a person that fell into the water and got hit by a boat and his leg is here. This is this this was a real problem. This was homicide. I know it's like I would that one of the programs I watched last night actually they found a leg like that. Oh, and they really? didn't know who, they didn't know who it belonged to and it took them a while to figure out that it belonged to somebody. It was horrible. It was so graphic. I was like, oh, God. So well, they, why they, does the Chuck, book, I, so they want to make a deal with Chuck. So why does Chick, Chuck not want to break the deal and why? Because, well, you know, they, they, they accused him. He's not guilty. Well, maybe. Who knows? So he, um, when, you're, when you're talking about making a deal, I assume you mean talk, working for the, um, for the Anderson, yeah. right? Yeah, mm-hmm. so remember, Chuck, Chuck wants money, and the Andersons are paying him really good money to make flights over to the next island back and bring back yeah. boxes of, of restaurant equipment and stuff like that. And so Chuck's like, hey, this is this is really good money. I'm not going to mess up uh, this little gig I got going. Again, it's it's something that Conklin or Roscoe is telling Chuck, hey, you may want to think about this. Something doesn't feel right about this, but Chuck uh, Chuck likes the cash, and he's, he says, hey, this is a, a cash situation and they're paying me really good money to do this i'm going to keep doing it because i like the money it was really easy so mm-hmm. he uses it to, to run back and forth between the islands for him and every time he does he makes he makes a good money so he doesn't want to mess up that little gig he's got going again that's just you know chuck likes the money so who is this guy that he works for this juiced obersey who did, i mean who does chuck work for Chuck works for the Andersons. Uh, Anderson, Oberstee, yeah. Yeah, Yost Oberstee is a person of interest um, in the disappearance mm-hmm. of Ruby standpoint that Yost Oberstee was one of the people in the diving accident that, that Ruby was blamed for. So Oberstee actually had some animosity towards Ruby and uh, he's a person of interest in that entire investigation. So that's that's pretty much where where Yost is at. Mm. So tell and us more about Con- Schlepper. I'm not sure about this guy. So Schlepper is the one of the inspectors for the police department. Yeah. He, he yeah, he's um he's kind of a, a, a by the rules type of dude. Uh, you know, very prim and proper. Um, runs a tight ship, uh, treats his people with respect and pretty well. Expects a lot out of them, but he doesn't. He doesn't get along with Roscoe very well. He does kind mm-hmm. of. He so he respects Roscoe from the standpoint that Roscoe was in law enforcement for many many years and was was good at it. Um, and Schlepper, but the Schlepper doesn't want Conklin interfering. He's always afraid that Conklin's going to interfere with an investigation, and he. he, he continually pushes Conklin to stay out of things. And there's a little bit about the middle of the book in this one, there's a little bit of a turn there where, where Schlepper starts to say, well, maybe I need some of Roscoe's help to help figure out some of this stuff. And so he kind of turns to Roscoe and, and asks Roscoe for a favor at the beginning of the book and then kind of turns his mm-hmm. opinion a little bit during the middle of the book to say, well, you know, here's here's something, let's, let's, let's kind of not really work together, but Here's something you might be interested in, and that kind of changes Conklin's view of of, of Schlepper. But uh, 
Schlepper is just very, very prim and proper, the typical, uh, you know, stringent Dutch authoritarian that, that you would you would expect almost almost to not so much a, a caricature of that, but enough to where hopefully you can picture him as being the the good boss, but the, but the firm boss. And he's he's Arabella's boss, by the way, right? So so yeah, I like Arabella. Yeah, good. I want people to like Arabella. Um, I like Arabella. She's a fun character to write. Yeah, but I feel I bad for what for, for Arabella because this is affecting their relationship, and that's not good. Well, it does a little bit, but you know, mm-hmm. Conklin's pretty—he's pretty much on an even keel, and he just kind of kind of flow through a little bit. And Arabella, again, is, is, is like she has a good relationship with Conklin mainly because. You know, Conklin was in law enforcement, and that's how they, you know, they have a lot to talk about in that regards, and that's what she likes talking about because she's very career-minded and career-oriented. Um, whereas Conklin's done all of that; he's retired, and he just he just wants to swim and you know watch the sunsets. So you think that Ross is going to get his PI license? He may as well. I mean, seriously. Well, so let's just say that I don't I don't know if that's going to happen because. I don't. Mm. I would have to step and figure out what the laws are, what the Dutch laws are for being a PI and how that works. And I don't know if I want to mm. be involved in trying to figure out too much of the Dutch private investigation. Laws. I don't. I don't know. And the other thing is, it, then it changes. It changes Roscoe because yeah. Roscoe doesn't. He doesn't want to be doing all this stuff. He would prefer not to be involved in these investigations. <laughs> but they're hit close to home for him, so that's why he gets involved. If he was a PI and he hung a shingle out front saying, hey, I'm a PI, come hire me, now he's doing all kinds of stuff for anybody. He becomes more of a, a Spencer type of character, and I don't I don't, I don't, don't think I want him um, being a, 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 you know, a hired gun for private investigations. I, I want it to be things that personally are connected to him, and that's how he gets involved in them. I, I don't want him taking on just any case that comes through the door. So I, I, don't, I don't know if you'll get a PI or not. Other, other folks have asked me that, and I, I really, I'm going to shy away from it. At least in the next book I'm writing, he, he doesn't have it. So mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see where it goes. I mean, every, everything happens, but I, I'm trying to shy away. I'm trying to talk him out of it, let me put it that way. <laughs> wow. So what is the significance of the gun casings, and what happens when Roscoe is, th- Roscoe is threatened? This poor guy can't win. So sad. So um, the significance of the gun casings, I mean the, the shell case, is that what you're talking about? He, yeah. He, yeah, so some, it, it, part of the, you know, some of the the, the dealings that happened through the book um, involve firearms, and there's always ballistics with firearms. And I've I've always been a um, a firearms aficionado. I I I, I like guns. Um, I'm I actually am an NRA registered pistol instructor, so I really I really like talking about firearms. And, and so I try and incorporate mm. some of it into. And you know the the shell casings and the and the the, the slugs all have ballistics. And they can be used to to tie murders together and 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 shootings together. And so I I do a little bit of that in the book just to make it 
a little more authentic because they, they are going to use casings. It's not like you see on, you know, TV shows and stuff. It's, it's much more, much more subtle than that and much more difficult than, than what they show too, because, uh, you know, when a bullet leaves a gun, it, it changes. And when it hits something, the bullet changes. So forensics and the, the ability to identify slugs and casings is not as simple as just matching them together. There's a little bit more work involved. And I, I try and allude to that in the book, but they still want to try and find the bullets. Everything, everything is a, is a piece of information, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent, mm. but it's all information. And, and, Conklin, you know, Roscoe wants to have as much information as he can to try and drive a, a correct con- conclusion or drive to a conclusion on the case. So that's the significance. The significance is it's part of the investigation, and it, it's a piece of information that, that Roscoe feels can help one way or another. It either points in a direction or it eliminates some other direction. So how did you choose? This wasn't the only setting, Bonio. What are the other places that the story takes place, and what is the significance of the of the diving? Um, so Roscoe does have to go to the near the the neighboring island of Curacao during this during this book to yeah. to interrogate Yoshi, who we had talked about earlier, and so he goes over there, and um, I just it, it, it's just a different different area. I mean. It's, similar island, but it just gave him a, a place to go in the book and uh, just a different, little bit different environment. Uh, the significance of the diving is um, I, I'm an avid scuba diver, as is my wife and my brothers and a lot of friends I have. And, you know, as mentioned earlier, we, we travel to Bonaire uh, at least every year for the last 20 some odd years and to, to, you know, to do a two week scuba diving trip. Um, so I do like scuba diving, and the island is is known for scuba diving. Uh, it's one of the top three or four destinations in the in the world or the, for for scuba diving. I try not to put too much stuff in the book. I put enough in there so that my reader base, which is very heavy, a lot of divers read my book. I, I try and put enough in there so that there's something they can relate to as far as the diving. I, I don't want to put too much in because I don't want to, it's not a book about diving. No. It's just the, the kind of incidental. I always may try and make the diving part of the story. I don't make it just so that somebody goes out and goes scuba diving. We talk about the pretty fish and the coral underwater and stuff like that. I try and make the diving part mm. of the story somehow. Um, in this book, there was basically, there's two scenes that had that incorporate diving. There are two different chapters or so. And, mm-hmm. but there were both, they were both part of the story, you know, part of the invested the evidence gathering, part of a covert operation, stuff like that. So it's always it's part of the of the story if I can do it. And I try not to do too much of it because I don't want the folks who aren't divers when yeah, they read the I mean, book. I don't want to be bored with the diving part. And I try not to be too technical. And it just you know I like small airplanes. I'm a commercial rated pilot. I like small airplanes. So there's always you know Chuck owns an airplane. And so there's always a little bit of a, of a flying situation involved in, in the books. You know, these are all kind of my interests, and, and, and I try and incorporate them very gently into, in, into the story somehow. Well, the books are different because I just have five inside I just got. I have another 50 interviews coming up. The problem is, is that I don't have all the books, which makes it really hard, seriously. Yeah. And 
yeah, that just kind of, kind of, kind of not great. But the the book, five books I just got, it's really weird because everyone is writing about the Me Too movement. So it's all about oh. what happened with Cuomo up here, <laughs> what happened with Bill O'Reilly, what happened with a whole bunch of other people that got accused um, about of sexual of whatever. I I might actually mm-hmm. do a show on discrimination in general. Just wow. any kind of discrimination, yeah. Because you know, when you get on the phone and they ask you your date of birth, I usually tell them I can't remember. Because <laughs> when you tell them you tr- tell them the truth, they talk to you like you're an idiot. And I try to yep. tell them I have a syndicated radio show. I'm the author of a whole bunch of scary books, and I do re- book reviews. And I think maybe I'm plugged in on a non-circuit, not a short one. And they're like, "What?" So I, I get really annoyed about that. So when does he he puts it all together? How does he put it all together and realize the how do they create a plan to get this person that did whatever the person did? So I don't know if they really create a plan to bring the folks to justice. I think it just kind of happens. Con- yeah, there was something that that clicked on Conklin near the end of the book, and he says, "I know, I know what happened." I, I try and I try and have enough clues through the book that the reader when it does click for Conklin the reader says yeah I can see that um, there's there are some TV shows and, and although I really like the TV show Monk um, because I think it's, it's a very great I love him a lot of fun but if you when he gets to the end he always figures this out and then he goes and he, he explains it so the reader or so, so the viewer is able to understand why he came to that conclusion but 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 you feel left out from the standpoint that there's no way you could have figured this out, and 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 he just you know pulls it out of thin air and says, oh here's what happened. Mm. I try not to do that. I try and I try and lead the the, the the reader down a path so that the reader has some idea and sees understands what Conklin is thinking at the time, so that when it does click for Conklin, the reader says, yes, I see that, or it may have clicked for the reader right about the same time or even before it clicks for Conklin, and it's all. It's all there so they can do it. So I don't think that there was a real big plans per se to mm. go bring the, the justice. I think it just kind of clicked for Conklin, and then he made a beeline over there. And sure enough, boom, it, uh, it, you know, he was right, and, 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 and the police were too. I, I always wanted to make sure that the law enforcement's involved because they – you know, they're not idiots either. They they see all this stuff, and they've got things, and they've got the evidence, same evidence Conklin has, and they got some bright minds on the police force, and, and so they come up with the, the, the same conclusion about the same time Conklin does. So it's kind of all, it feels like a plan, but it, it, that everybody kind of got together at the same time, figured this out, and they all met at the same place to, to bring these folks to justice. So it's it, it's not so much a plan as, as much as uh, it just everybody, it all clicks for everybody at the same time. Well, before I forget, Wednesday, this is going to be really cool, at 10 a.m. Eastern, John Gilstrap, Alan Topol, Reese Hurst, Stephen Arms, and Emma Horton will all join me for the wild panel show that I created. Wow. They, their books take, I don't know, whatever possessed me. John's book, Blue Fire, if you haven't read it, it's outrageous. It's fantastic. It's about an apocalypse. So each of these books takes place someplace that people would never know about, like um, Antarctica, on the Arctic Circle. And um, this one, Reese Hirsch's book, takes place on the space station. And Stephen Arms in, Arms in uh, Guadal- 
Guadalupe and Alan Topol, anywhere in the world. So I want to talk about how the settings of their books can teach people to learn about the area where the book takes place. Well, that was well, different. That's really cool. I, I don't me. know. This is just me. On the 14th, I have the author of Vices and Virtues. And on the 19th, somebody we all know and love, Charles Salzburg, The Canary in the Canal. On the 21st, Matthew Cost. On the 28th, One Will Too Many. And on the 26th, this is so, I can't believe it. I just got the email to confirm. Jane Ann Krantz, Amanda Quick, will be talking to me about her latest romance novel. They sent it today. I'm like so wow. pumped. Yes, and Congrats. if Don Bentley's, Don Bentley's publicist doesn't send me the book for hostile intent for May 2nd, I'm in big trouble. So, Wow. Um, okay, yeah. Yeah, I can't, I'm, I'm in shock, and I'm waiting for Iris Johansson's uh, publicist to tell me uh, August and September, because she'll interview with me, but not very many other people, because wow, I know what I'm not, I know what I'm supposed to ask. I know what I'm not to ask either. <laughs> so, <clears throat> who is Erica, and what is her role? Erica is um, what I, the office manager for uh, Roscoe's Mon Pa hotel called the Yellow Rock Resort. She she basically runs the show, runs the the business operation. Mm-hmm. She's she's rather she's very attention to detail type of person. She doesn't she doesn't uh, she doesn't suffer very well from people like Roscoe who are a little bit of a protagonist. It's not, not a protagonist, excuse me. He's a little bit of a procrastinator, you know, about getting things done. He doesn't he doesn't hurry. He he'd rather you know, sit and watch the sunset as opposed to to help uh, do the book work or, or some maintenance items. And so she's kind of always on him a little bit to try and push him along. She doesn't. She knows it's a losing battle to a certain extent, but she still kind of props him along. Roscoe looks at her as kind of a big sister. He never had any mm-hmm. any any siblings, so he, he looks at her kind of as a big sister in the, the way a big sister might might treat a little a little brother, as far as you know, kind of pushing him along, keeping him honest on things. Uh, she tends to, to know, uh, you know, Bonaire is a small island, and uh, Conklin has made reference a couple times that Erica knows she, she's related to half the people on the island and knows the other half. So, in other words, she, she's plugged into the, to the local gossip pretty good. And so she always seems to know something's going to happen or, or knows what happened by the time Conklin mm. uh Talk to her about it. So he, she, she knows what's going on. It's, it's you know, in, in island terms, it's called the coconut telegraph, where you know gossip and, and news floats around real fast and, and on the on the small island. And so Erica is always involved in in, in the in, in his life, but he relies on her to be able to run the business so that he can go do his silly stuff. But she constantly reminds that if it wasn't for her, he would do business. And so uh, it, it, it's it's a fun push pull type of thing they love each other uh you know they you know he thinks of her as a big sister and and she lots of times treats him like 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 a little brother it's cool to have a friend like that i miss that yeah she, she's actually well, i miss my sister real- that's what mj oh, network is named after my sister i miss her cause she used to drive me crazy and get me in trouble all the time it was fun <laughs> she she had a way of yeah, she used to get me in trouble all the time, but I got myself out of it. It's okay. So why so many murders, and how were they related? So the murders, I, I, uh, 
when I read a murder mystery, I'm a fan of a, of a, of a large body count. Um, I, I, I like the idea because, because every time, every time a murder occurs in, in a mystery, that adds more mystery to the story. And, and it, mm. it causes, usually it causes some type of roadblock or, or some kind of problem for the protagonist because these aren't random people that are being murdered. These are all, these are, these deaths are all, um, related somehow to the, the the prime investigation, and so now the detective or, or the protagonist has to figure out how are they related, how are they linked. Lots of times, that person dies right before they're ready to get out some kind of good information that would help push the investigation forward. And now all of a sudden, that information isn't available, or it changes the information. So the the higher the high body count is, is kind of fun just because. Um, it, it, it forces the, the protagonist to try and go a different route or do something different or, uh, you know, it causes a roadblock and causes pressure and stress on the protagonist. And that's, that's one reason I do it. Um, and like I say, just because when I read mysteries, I like ones with, with high body counts. That's why I like the Jack Reacher books mm-hmm. so well is because they have a high body count. Lots of people, you know, biting the big one, you might say. So that's, that's what I like about them. Well, I left out the name of the person. I crossed out the name, whatever, at the end. I figured out who did it, but sort of. But I didn't figure out what, what was this person's motive for 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 this for killing this person, and what happens that changes Roscoe's relationship with poor Arabella. Um. Well, I think the relationship with Arabella doesn't. I mean, it it ebbs and flows a little bit. And yeah. um, he, she, you know, Conklin, Roscoe, as as he's doing these investigations, he's always, you know, his his training has always been, you know, keep that information, don't divulge information until until you are ready to push forward. Um, and so when he holds this information, and then Arabella finds out that he's been holding this information and potentially. You know, didn't lie to her, but didn't tell her the full truth. That upsets her an awful lot. I think that's where she's like, you know, um, if this is going to work, you have to be honest with. Me. And it kind of it sets Conklin back a little bit, sets Roscoe back a little bit. And he has to he has to actually change the way he thinks about things and and, and looks at her more as a helper in some of these investigations as opposed to um, somebody that he doesn't want to talk to about it. So I, I think it's. Um, it, it was probably a healthy move that it happened. It, 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 it you know, it hurts Arabella a little bit, but it, it made Roscoe step back and say, "Hey, I, I got to include her as a partner, not, not as a mm. potential rock." Times. Now, as far as why this was done, I think that's that's something they they got to read to find out. I don't want to I don't want to talk too much no. about what happens and, and why, because um, I think that's that. That's what the whole book is about: is is what exactly? Why did they do this? And I think it, it I think it, it, it's alluded to. And again, it's one of those things where it's not always, um, not always clear. But in real investigations, it's not always clear, and you don't always have all the answers. And so that's why I try and and, and push forward on this: is hey, you know what? Sometimes you don't have all the answers. You know who did it, but you don't may not always know why. And I'll I'll also caution this, friend that think very, very, you know, there's a real good chance mm. that 
some of these characters who you don't think are going to come back in the next book may come back in the That's next book. That's what I want to know. Who's coming back and what's the next book and when is it coming out? Well, so I know if you're on my schedule. So, so um, Paradise it's going to be Paradise Landing is going to be, I'm writing it right now. It's probably going to, I'm not a real fast writer. I'm not like, I'm not a, a writer like Dick Belsky who can write three or four books a year, okay? I mm. <laughs> I mm. write one book 18 months. I don't know how he does it. He, he's a fantastic author, and he just writes books left and right. I don't know how he does it. And they're all good books, too. But um, Paradise Landing hopefully will be out, uh, oh, I don't know, another year and a half or something like that. And all the main characters will be back. Arabella will be back. Uh, Roscoe will be there, of course. Erica, Chuck. Um there may be some um there may be some appearances by um some folks in Paradise Cove that come back to haunt Roscoe a little bit in Paradise Landing. So um just keep in mind that everything isn't as, as cut and dry and as, as obvious as what you might think. Hopefully anyway. If I do it right, and I'm hoping I do it right. So that's that's the key. Are you going to do another tour with Partners in Crime? I did like two yeah. already with them. Yeah, I have to yeah, tell her she's I, they're great. They're great. They're keeping me oh, so busy. That, yeah, they're they're fantastic. They really, you know, it's it, it's fun that still, there's still a lot of work on the author side, but they they really they really help an awful lot. I, I don't think you can you could get that exposure on your own. I think they really create a really good exposure, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm really really excited. I mean, I, I do a month tour with them. I'm really thinking that the next time I might try and do a two-month tour to see how that goes and really pump it a little bit more. It's a little more expensive, but I think you get you get what you pay for, and I think you get the money out of it. But if there's any authors listening right now, I think Partners in Crime Virtual Book Tour is it's well worth the money. You get you get more out of it than, than what you would ever think. And this is, this well, is the only thing that bothered to- me when I did the last one on Population Zero that's the title of my last book. A lot of people mm-hmm. didn't like it. Some people did. I created worlds that you wouldn't want to live in. A world without sun, right. a world that's dark, a world with ice, a world made of glass, all crazy worlds. And I invited a dead person to come back and experience living in my world for 24 hours. And at the end I said, would you like to live in this world or would you start acting kinder in this one? And that was the purpose of writing it. And it's like, hmm. Some people liked it, some people don't. The one thing I like about partners in crime is that they're not supposed to, and although I did get three, the last three were really horrible reviews. I mean, horrible to the point that I said, don't even put those out there. And one actually put it on Amazon, and I thought it was kind of nasty. She just said, this book wow. isn't worth anything. I don't know why I got it. I didn't answer it. I just said, to, to the guy, Gina, I said, the next time I have a tour, if I ever do have one, make sure you leave this person out. And I did one yeah. um, with um, Isabella Blackthorn for this book, and they apologized to me because they thought the book was really good because they don't take just anything. Most of the reviews were really good. The last one or two were like, hmm, you know what, I just don't care. It didn't really matter yeah. because, you know, if you stand by what you write, right, it doesn't matter. Besides, I was going you're to call not, Roscoe to get him. Seriously, you're not going to please me. You're not. Gonna, you're not going to please everybody, and there's always going to be um, reviews that aren't favorable. And you just, you just, you know, I learned it's and it's hard, you know, especially as a newer author to to, to, to yeah. read some of those reviews. But you know, um, 
hey, I don't like broccoli. A lot of people like broccoli. I don't like broccoli. So that's just that's just me. It doesn't mean that I'm a good or bad person. I just don't like broccoli. And and I'm okay with a with a review for somebody that that doesn't like the book as long as they they um they're not mean. As long as they say, hey, I, this book just doesn't appeal to me. I just didn't like it. I, I I didn't find it believable. Okay, I can I can deal with that. I don't like broccoli. You don't like my book, but I. I, but just because I don't like broccoli doesn't mean I'm mean to people that do like broccoli, right? So as long as they're not mean about it, I, I'm okay. If they get mean about it, then that's that's a different story. Yeah, well, I, I, I don't write negative reviews ever. And if I don't think that the book is really plausible or worthy of my time, I won't review it at all. I'll just tell the author I'm going to pass. And that right. did happen. Um, it hasn't happened um, once a long time ago because the police investigation made no sense and it was totally ridiculous. But the one I got a book about a month ago, and I read what the book was about, and it had to do with politics, and it had to do with two countries, and I said I won't put my name on that, I won't read it. Because if you're going to talk about one side, you need to talk about the other side, and you need to do common ground. You can't say that one country is worse than the other or that something that you might believe not believe in is whatever. So I passed. The author wasn't, I didn't even know he was getting the book. It just came. And he said, thank you for the feedback. I said, it's well-researched. It's well-documented. I just disagree with what you wrote. So and I, right. won't put, I, won't, I didn't want to write something nasty. But I said, and a lot of the authors, a lot of the reviewers said, this book, I disagree every, with everything he said, but I reviewed it anyway. I would prefer not doing that. So anyway, where can everybody get 20,000 copies of this book? And I did private message you the person's name. She's my cousin. She's a pain. But she's okay. going to flip out when she gets the book, I promise you. She's going to love it. Well, they can they can buy the book uh, actually on Ocean View Publishing uh, website. They can buy it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble. I always – I always um, encourage people to go to their local independent bookstore and order it through there because, uh, you know, it's, it's always I, – I really think people should support the indie bookstores as much as possible. Um, so go to your indie bookstore, ask them to, to order Paradise Cove, and they'll have it to you in a couple of days. And if they don't – they may have it on the shelf. I don't know. It depends on the store. But they can definitely have it in a couple of days, and they'd be happy to do it. And you're not really going to – charge any extra money than, than Amazon or Barnes and Nobles. Mm. Um, you can buy it about anywhere. It's through, you know, a major distributor and, and, a, and a major publisher. So should be good to go. And just so everybody knows during the month of April, uh, my first book, Divers Paradise, the ebook is actually free the month of April, anywhere you want to go to get the ebook, it'll be free. And uh, that's kind of a, a primer. If you haven't read my series, Get uh, Divers Paradise for free on ebook, and then order up uh, Paradise Cove from your local independent bookstore. Well, all I can say is that it's a, I love Paradise Cove, and Amazon just lowered the price on Population Zero for some reason. So if anybody wants it, it's only five something instead of fourteen. I guess who knows why? I don't even ask anymore. It doesn't even matter. But thank yeah. you so much. This is this has been fun. I love this. This makes my day. Let me tell you, it really does. It just brightens my well, day to do this. And I just always hope enjoy. everybody in the whole world supports the people in the Ukraine, and we've got to send our love and bless and hope that someday that, that they'll be safe again. And I hope everybody does an act of kindness every day because maybe then the world will be a better place. But thank you, Devin. Everybody have a great day. The sun is shining. And bye. Thanks.